I'm Naki. This is Filter Through Fiction, where we look at life through the lens of our favorite fiction series. Today, we will cover Chapter 2 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, The Vanishing Glass. Here we are, Chapter 2, 10 years later. I know. It's the first note I have written. 10 years later. 10 years later. (laughs) And uh, yes, as part of our recap, we are 10 years down the road. Uh, We wake up on Dudley's birthday. Which ends up, even for Harry, a visit to the zoo where he learns he can speak to snakes. Kind of a big deal. Does he learn it though? I know. I don't. He doesn't really realize what's happening. I don't think. I'm curious because there is that point down the road where he was like, Yeah, I can speak to snakes. I said, A snake on my cousin Dudley once. (laughs) 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 And it all ends in a little bit of catastrophe catastrophe for our friend harry did i miss anything in the recap other than like lots of brattiness no i mean yeah that's about it dudley is a complete asshole and so is vernon yeah (laughs) that's it i have nicknames for them in my notes (laughs) oh i want to know them well i mean mean, if you want to wait okay it's basically like duds duds birthday daddy d Vern. that's vernon is daddy d (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so then I have a hard time remembering their real names because I've written I like that, weird though. snarky things in my notes. <laughs> Which is funny because I don't think Daddy D is like necessarily shorthand <laughs> because I think it might be longer. <laughs> it also could be very inappropriate. <laughs> it really could. <laughs> that is not how I think uh-huh. of Vernon. So I take that back. I'm never going to call him that again. Every time you call him that, I'm going to be like... Daddy D. Nope. <laughs> you're like, no, you're not. <laughs> nope. We're taking that out. Putting That's not an end happening. to that right now. Nobody ever say those <laughs> again, especially in in reference to Vernon Dursley. One day yeah. we're going to be podcast famous and there are going to be so many comments at you. There's going to be like a t-shirt. Daddy it's D. Like, there you go. Merch. Merch. Daddy D merch. <laughs> Daddy D. <laughs> like an outline of his big fat belly and his Ugh. sweaty head. The guy who played him, poor man, was perfect though. Yeah, the casting was there. Really, should be like. I mean, well, I do have I do have some hangups. Yeah, like even though we talked about how Maggie Smith is a phenomenal McGonagall, like anybody who's an adult is so much older than they should be. Oh, true. Yeah. So that's like my one hangup with casting. Yeah, that's true. But I think the people who played the roles, like, did so well. And well, and Hermione's way too pretty. Oh, yeah. Sorry. She's just not supposed to be yeah. as cute. And she literally, together. like, is, like, they talk about, like, her teeth, her hair. and It's it's a plot point, her freaking teeth. Yeah. Like, they skip over it completely. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. Like, that's anyway. a whole other podcast. Is there a place you want to start or shall um, we just go for it? No, go for it. I'm not sure. I didn't have as easy of a time picking out like a specific theme in this okay. chapter. It was more just like certain things that I was like, 
mm, yeah, I can relate or, <laughs> you know, just certain behaviors that kind of stack on chapter right. one stuff we've already seen with the Dursleys. But um, I think like the the first thing for me and really this is I'm curious what like your overall thing, you know, I mean, I know you said you didn't necessarily hit themes, but like actions and behaviors but just the like aggressive attempts to just erase Harry's existence. Yes. Yes. You know, I think I alluded to it. Maybe I did. Or not. I know we talked about our types, me being type five. Like it's really like one of the things for a type five for sure is how easy it is to feel overlooked and invisible. And so like that um, very purposeful attempt to make him invisible yes. to others, you know, like down to like he doesn't have a bedroom, down to um, being incredibly picky about who Harry stays with, you know, when they go off and do all of these things, these great things with Dudley uh, the fact that he there, you know, that it says like you, the room held no sign at all that another boy lived in the house too. Yeah. And, and I guess really what all of that theme, all of these things that really end up stacking within the moments that I picked out is the idea of what kind of message does Harry grow up with? You know, like you look throughout the chapter like Harry versus Dudley, like Harry has a cupboard, Dudley has bedrooms. Yes. <laughs> um, he, like down to the pictures, there are all of these pictures of Dudley. There's no sign at all that Harry is there. Like um, he wears Dudley's hand-me-down clothes. Even when, though they don't fit him yeah. at all. And um, like at the zoo, when... Uh, Dudley and Pierce are getting ice cream and it's only by accident that they can't cut the lady off in time that Harry even gets like the cheapest thing available to them. And uh, just like, Oh, and when the later, when they're having another type of dessert, yeah. Dudley doesn't like his cause it doesn't have enough ice cream on it. Harry gets to eat it. Yeah. His leftovers. He didn't have his own. Yeah. And to him, it's like, he couldn't <clears throat> believe his luck when like, it's incredibly sad that like how lucky that uh, because of all of these things went wrong by default, all they can do is include me. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. As somebody who values belonging, like looking at all of those moments, you know, I, I definitely like when I, when I came up with the concept of filtered through fiction, it was this chapter actually mm. that I really rooted the idea in because I look or I, you know, I, I pay attention to how much emotion that that evokes in me, like how angry I get at the Dursleys and like, okay, the point is I notice this reaction. I dig into why I have that reaction and arrive at the thing. Like what matters to me is the fact that like he has no place where he belongs so just curious as somebody yeah. <laughs> who defines one of your core values as belonging, like what was kind of the response you were having in those moments? Yeah. It's interesting because I do 100% value belonging, but I also, uh, as an adult, when I do not feel like I'm in a place where I am being included, 
it's very easy for me to just be like, oh, okay, cool. Fuck you. Yeah. You know, like Same. I, I do want to belong, but if you don't want me, I'll go do my own thing. Yeah. That's fine. I'm done with you. You don't get another chance. Like you've proven to me that I am not important to you because you have left me out of this. Yeah. But that's cool. Now I know. Yeah. So I think um, like the part when they're trying, like Mrs. Fig isn't available and they're trying to figure out like who to leave (laughs) Harry with. And he's like, I could just stay here by myself. I could just watch TV that, you know, like in his head, he's like, I can play the game. I could maybe get on, you know, Dudley's computer and play. Like he's totally fine being by himself because that's what he's used to. Yeah. Would he be better off belonging in a group? Absolutely. Is that something that is fundamental to humanity? I believe so. Yes. I believe belonging is fundamental and there has to be some sort of core group, but as we see here and as we see so often in life, that's not always our nuclear family. Yeah. It's often our core group of friends yeah. that we find later in life it's or a family you choose, the family you choose, you know, sometimes it's a online, you know, forum and it's people that just care for one another and take care of each other. And that's, that's yeah. the belonging that you have. It doesn't always show up in family. And right very obviously not in this family yeah the it's later in the chapter um but the thing that like kind of ties into that for me in terms of like it's it's silencing it's it's not just not belonging it's silencing him yeah to the point of silencing even his dreams Yes. When Vernon is talking, like talking smack about the motorcycle on the roadway and Harry's like, oh, I had a dream about a motorcycle. It was flying. And Vernon loses his shit and is like, motorcycles don't fly. He's like, bro, I'm just trying to be relevant. (laughs) It's a dream. Like, let the kid dream. He doesn't know it's actually a memory that he, you know, had when he was one. He thinks it's a dream. You're silencing his dream? Like, that part is the, like, no. These... Yeah. You don't want to belong to these people. Yeah, you really don't. <laughs> like, yeah. That silencing is the part that, like, I think of everything. They're denying, like, his... The memory of his parents. Yeah. The fact that there's no pictures of his parents. There's no discussion about his parents that you know they died in a car wreck at the end yeah and don't ask questions and don't ask questions <laughs> which i promised you would be a discussion point in in this one <sighs> because it does go along with that like i am i am going to do everything i can to silence you to stamp out your memories to stamp out anything that essentially the dursleys don't approve of which is literally everything about harry mm-hmm. and you know i like like growing up in religion, you know, like you, you do have those moments where so much is, is about faith. And it's not necessarily like, I don't have any moment where I recall being told, don't ask questions, but there is a thing that you learn about you, like whatever it is, just take it at, not necessarily face level, but what you've been told, mm-hmm. just believe this. Um, and 
you know, I I know I had I had sat through sermons where it's like, don't take my word for it. Go and do the research here for yourself. Mm-hmm. But it was also one of those things where like, but do the research that I've I've kind of put right in front of you that with the idea that find the answers I've given you yes. for yourself. Do the research, but only do it in these places because right. these other places, those are, those are yeah. wrong. <laughs> and so that you come to the same conclusion mm-hmm. so you can discover I'm right. Yep. You know, and I joke. So in, it's the third Batman movie. I think the dark Knight rises. Like one of my favorite jokes that I make is where like, Bane and Batman are fighting in the dark and Bane essentially says something along the lines of you think the darkness is your ally and he's like you were he's like I was born in the dark you merely adopted it and that's skepticism for me (laughs) so like I very naturally like as a child like was a skeptic which made for a a lot of friction in that upbringing where you are raised to believe you're raised to have faith and that questions can be a form of rebellion, you know? And so I always joke, like I was born in skepticism. You merely adopted it. Um, So the whole idea of being silenced of not being asked, being able to ask questions unless they're safe questions, you know, um, that is a that is a moment for me in the book where I I, I have your reaction like you can fuck off mm-hmm. <laughs> if you don't want to be asked questions you need to leave yeah um, because I'm going to ask questions because if you if you're not going to allow me to ask questions that means you have something to hide yeah exactly and I don't trust you yeah. like I immediately don't why trust would I you. yeah that's I mean yeah you definitely see that in some. Uh, religious institutions that, you know, yeah, you're not even allowed to ask questions at all. Yeah. Or even just, um, you know, I'm not trying to shit on religion by any means, but like any institutions where like, it's all about the authority figure, Mm -hmm. you know, like for sure cults, which are religion adjacent for sure. Um, But, you know, I, I think of leaders I have had in my life, where it was like essentially my word is the law and whether that was in a work environment or a church environment or whatever, you know, um, I like, even as a child, it just never sat well to not be able to understand like why I, okay. Like I have these questions, like if this is what happened and like, growing up in the church, like almost all of my questions were centered around something to do with the Bible and just like being the kid who was like, so, um, am I getting this right? That Noah and his family repopulated the entire earth because I have some questions about that, you know, (laughs) and, or like Adam and Eve, like in Cain being Uh sent out, but he meets people and I'm like in, you know, in the land of Nod and stuff. I'm like, but how did those people get there? Where'd they come from? If Adam and Eve, you know, it's like, like, I'm confused or, you know, like with the great flood, I'm like, so like, 
am I getting this right? That people made God mad. So he just was like, I'm just going to wipe you out then. I was mm-hmm. like, that doesn't seem very merciful to mm-hmm. me. You know, and just like the kid with all these existential questions that nobody wanted to be answering. Yep. Because it just, you know, like. Well, because maybe they don't have the answer. Right. So they can't. And maybe like, they, you know, don't I, like the answer. Yeah. Like looking back, like I couldn't answer that question. Like, I don't know where those people came from. Like, were they magically put there or <laughs> were, I have theories, were they but... were they in some way? <laughs> uh, I have a degree in English. I have an appreciation for literature. And I look at the Bible, even as a person of faith, like I would say right now, I am a person of faith. I have faith. Yeah. I look at the Bible, especially the Old Testament and all of those stories as a piece of literature. They're creation stories. Yeah. Every culture has them. They're all very similar. I was going to say, and they all are (laughs) incredibly similar. Yeah. And there's a reason for that because that's how our brains work to explain something. We have to think of a creator. We have to think of an origin. And even as a person of faith who believes that was create that I don't buy into the creation story, the seven days, this sure. day, this happened this day that happened. I do believe something supernatural set everything into motion, but it all, the weight of it being, this is this sacred text and this is truth has taken over just the storyness of it. We're a people who have been a, a storied people yeah. from the beginning, from before we could write, before we had written language, we told stories and that's okay. Yeah. Trying to understand what is truly un ununderstandable. Yeah. <laughs> to try to use our human finite brains to try to understand this infinite mind-blowing concept (laughs) that we don't have the brain power truly to understand this is how it it comes out is in these stories so yeah it doesn't necessarily make sense that you know Cain went out and found other people if you're going off of this is a hundred percent factual right but does that mean it's untrue? Right. And it's... No. And it's hard There's for... There's a difference between fact and truth. And that is... Yes. And that, like, I imagine, like, some kid asking you, or anyone asking you questions that, like, no, you don't have the answer. And ultimately, you know, there's no real way for you to have the answer. Like, it's hard to say that. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't know. And honestly, there's not a way to know. I tell my because, kids that. Because, yeah, well, because you're a good parent. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> but, like, it's, like, I look at, like, I am a boss. And, you know, where I work. And so, there is absolutely a pressure to have answers in the moment. And... I can't imagine how much more pressure it would be to be like a religious authority or a parent who is supposed to have all of those answers. But you do, you teach like, you know, like to have had the answer, like, I don't know. And I don't know that we can know what have sent me searching versus um, most likely. This is just the way it is. It's like, 
I don't accept that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, okay, but ultimately I'm just angry at you now. Yeah. Well, and that's, uh, that is something I can also, uh, um, relate to as a parent. There are some times I've always said, I'll answer any question my kids ask me. There are some questions I don't really super want to answer <laughs> yet, Yeah. but maybe, you know, down the road I will. And I'll answer them in that way. I'll say, you know what? That's just not something for right now. That's not a question I'm going to answer today. But, you know, if you think about it again a year from now and you ask me again, we'll talk about it then. Because I know their level of maturity right now can't handle hearing stories about my sexual escapades in college. (laughs) But maybe when they're a few more years older... (laughs) You know, I'll be totally open about that and I'll talk to them about that. But like, there is a level of like protection. Like I don't necessarily want to tell them this thing right now, but I will. Or, and then there's sometimes like my son absolutely hates this and this, I think he's actually a five and it's really funny because of what you're talking about. He hates because I said so. When I, as his mom, tell him he has to do something, like, just finish your goddamn dinner. Why? I'm not hungry. Yes, you are. You were just (laughs) telling me 30 seconds ago you're hungry. Right now you're telling me you're not hungry because you don't want to eat what I gave you. So just eat it. Well, why do I have to eat this? Because I said so. (laughs) Because this is the meal I made for you. Sit down, shut up, and eat it. (laughs) And that just, that shuts him down faster than anything that's a terrible example I don't actually I know what he likes and doesn't like and I'm kind of that mom that doesn't make him eat other things but anything like turn off the xbox well is dinner ready um I'm sorry son no it's almost but right now I told you to turn the xbox off well why do I have to turn it off now if dinner's not ready why do I have to turn it off <laughs> because I told you to turn it off and I'm your mother you need to be respectful. And it's like, I don't, I don't like that either. I don't even like having to say it, but also there's an element of like, I'm trying to teach you respect, authority. You are going to have a boss someday that's going to ask you to do something that is not illegal or dangerous. And you do need to comply and do it in order to keep your job. You're going to just have to do it without being a dick about it. (laughs) Like you need to learn how to do it now with your mother (laughs) because I said so. (laughs) but he hates that answer so much i mean i do hate that answer but i'm also like it is that aspect of it at this point yes i'm old enough and to understand like well at the end of the day that's authority and as much as i don't like authority and like sorry but especially male authority (laughs) however like that's that's based on the trauma of Jesus camp, which we haven't Mm. even gotten into Mm. yet. Um, Which now that I've named it, it's a discipleship program that has a real name, but they don't get to earn any credit. (laughs) So it's Jesus camp. We're not having any Google searches going to (laughs) there. (laughs) You don't get to know their name. Nope. (laughs) Actually, it's, they don't get to have you know who they are. Yes. exactly. Punishing them, not you. Yeah. Uh, But like very spiritually abusive, um, authority which happened to be Mel so yes that is and that 
initially was really some of the, uh, I'm not going to say hatred, but definitely like my problems with Dumbledore in the series is Mm -hmm. it reminded me so much of some of those experiences. You just need to trust me. I don't have to explain it to you. Like, just do what mm, I say. No. (laughs) But, but yeah, like I, I do recognize like as an adult in society Mm -hmm. with a job, with a boss, um, like sometimes it just comes down to respect for somebody who really does get to tell you what to do, Mm -hmm. like it or not. Yeah. I mean, I have a phenomenal boss. My boss is my best friend at this point, <laughs> but other bosses. Yes. Who were idiots before, so. Yeah. Yeah, like tying it back in to Harry and Vernon and the way he's treated, like there is a level of yes, he's in authority, but does he deserve the respect of right. respecting his authority? You know, like my son loves me. And he does understand, even if he doesn't like it, that he has to turn his Xbox off when I tell him to. But I've earned that respect right? to a certain extent. Like, if yeah. I was only authoritative, then I'm just abusive. Right. Uh, you have all of the things that go with it in terms of support, like... You're caring. You show yeah. your child I'm love. I'm asking you to turn like, the Xbox off because I want to feed you a yummy dinner. Yeah, I'm like, not like just being a <laughs> jerk. Yeah. It's not like, I don't want you playing that anymore. So you turn it off. It's like, yeah. no, but this point, like, I mean, I can't say it better than you did. Like, I have done this thing for you and it's time for you to turn that off so you can come yeah. enjoy And also, this. even if I'm just asking you to turn it off because I'm asking you to turn it off, that's also valid, but you also know that I'm not just doing it to be a jerk. Right. Like maybe I'm asking you to turn it off because I just want your brain to have a brain break from electronics. Maybe you've yeah. been on it for seven hours today and you need to stop. Maybe I want to spend some time with you. Maybe yeah. I want you to go outside and play with your sister. Maybe it doesn't matter It that my response whenever his is, but why, why do I have to do that? What, and he gets so mad when I say, because I said so. I don't have to explain to you why. You know that good point. my ultimate reasoning is for your good. Right. To take care of you in it's some way. It's not for your punishment right. or to ruin your life. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> so you don't need to know why. I mean, all parents aren't just setting out to ruin their children's lives. I mean, to a certain extent, yeah. There's, I mean, there's some of that, too. That's, that's the right you've earned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's where, you know, like with all of the things that are happening in this chapter with Vernon and, and the way he's shutting down dreams and shutting down memory. Like, he's taking away his past. He's taking away his future. He's taking away everything only on authority. Yeah. He has no, he has not earned any respect. He has not shown Harry any love or caring. He's not given him any reason to think he has Harry's best interest in mind. Right. Of course, he's not going to be happy about it. Of course, you know, at some point when he grows into his own and he gains a voice, he's going to speak up against that. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, he's a child. He's a 10 year old child. Well, almost 11. Yeah. He has no other choice. He has nowhere else he can go. Yeah. 
his he's been you know essentially isolated from all other manner of adults besides mrs fig who is the crazy cat lady, cat lady you know that lives around the corner and <laughs> whatever um he doesn't have any family he doesn't have any friends at school because dudley has bullied him so much with his friends that you know well and like obviously like it alludes to dudley isn't just bullying harry like kids won't befriend harry because if they've learned anything it's that you don't go against dudley and his Mm -hmm. gang and and you're right like it it talks about towards the end i think of this chapter where like harry's like one real dream is that some relation will come and just rescue him from really what's a hellhole for him Mm -hmm. and you know like it's like that is his hope but at the same time i think that like it's just a dream because I don't think he really thinks like there's any kind of hope in that thing happening because he is so isolated, like down yeah. to even in his own home. He is mostly isolated to, we're not going to call it a bedroom. The it's not a bedroom, the it's the cupboard under the stairs. It's the cupboard under the <laughs> stairs. Ew, it's just, ugh. But it really does bring me to like, I told you, like I one of my very favorite Harry moments Oh yeah, is um, where he does come up to the snake. Yes. So Dudley and his friend had been there and he's basically like, oh, this is boring. Make it move. He's being a little brat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he walks away and then it says Harry moved in front of the tank and looked intently at the snake. He wouldn't have been surprised if it had died of boredom itself. No company except stupid people drumming their fingers on the glass, trying to disturb it all day long. It was worse than having a cupboard as a bedroom where the only visitor was Aunt Petunia hammering on the door to wake you up. At least he got to visit the rest of the house. And it is insane to me that this child has this moment of empathy where he actually thinks I have it better than something else. And it's just, it's, um, it's like the empathy that he shows there, but also like despite everything that we've addressed up to this point, like the resilience that somehow he still has that spark of rebellion in him. And I think it's in the next couple of chapters where we really start to see some of his sassiness. And I just love that somehow that little spark of something finds a way to stay alive in him. Um, You know, versus just being completely hopeless. And I just love that moment where this kid who, um, lives in a cupboard under the stairs <laughs> who uh, his, you know, air quotes, family does all of this work to erase everything about his existence that they can out of their lives. Like no trace of him in their home, like no trace of his parents, um, even down to like, I mean, it is one of the things that I ha- I've never picked up on is the fact that Vernon silences his dreams, like shuts him down in that way. And somehow like this kid with nothing to his name, um, has this moment where he's like, at least I have it better than this poor little snake who probably not little, it's bow constrictor. So (laughs) like even thinks like I at least get to visit the rest of the house at times. And it just, makes my little heart love yeah. Harry so much in that moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's an element of like optimism. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I would argue he loses in book seven and book seven sucks for a whole lot of reasons. And part of it is that time frame that we'll talk about mm -hmm. seven books from now, but you know, when he's, he's not himself, he's very, very freaking, I mean, sad is a terrible word for it, but it's like, he's lost that optimism. Yeah. He doesn't see, Oh, at least I can do this. Right. He's like, I have, I don't see it. I don't see anything. It's yeah. all, it's all over, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's like the hardest part of the book to read is like, but where's that, where's that kid with the pluck <laughs> from chapter two? It's yeah. like, at least I can do this. Yeah. You know? That kid who uh, is going to start insulting Dudley in really witty moments. <laughs> oh my gosh. Some of the best things. Uh, yeah. But that is a moment where, like I told you, like I had never picked up on that. Um, I had never picked up on that until my last read through. Yeah. I hadn't picked up on, I wrote down Harry likes his scar. And I don't even remember where that was, but it, it's funny because you're talking about like the erasure and like, when Petunia takes him to get his hair cut and she gets everything cut off except for the bangs because she yeah. wants the scar to be covered. For that nasty scar. Yeah. Like, but Harry actually likes it. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, that, like, optimism that, like, this makes me different. Yeah. They don't like it, but I do. You know, it's that kind of like it's a little, a little, it's his little ten year old little, middle finger to the man. Yes. <laughs> yes. I for some reason that had not clicked yeah. either. But also I love that his hair just gra magically grows back in the nighttime. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it does get him punished. Um, you mentioned in our conversation that this is June. 23rd Dudley's right. birthday Dudley's birthday is June 23rd and at one point Vernon threatens Harry with being <laughs> locked in his closet until Christmas six months <laughs> like <laughs> this is abuse yeah this guy is a child abuser yeah like, like, like what else what else can you call that other like it is a threat to be locked in a cupboard for six months and two days. And there's no reason to believe he wouldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's really plausible that that is a punishment he would have. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it alludes to, like, um, a time, actually, with all of these different things. Um, I think it was when Dudley's gang was chasing him and he just meant to jump behind the trash bins. Oh, yeah. And he ends up on the roof on of, the of the schools. Roof, yeah. And I want to say, like, he locked him in the cupboard for a week at that point. Yeah. So, that was obviously nothing. And, like, I I appreciate that she addresses, like, he just waits till the family goes to sleep and then sneaks out and gets food. But, like, also, what kind of fucking existence is that Yeah. for some kid? Like, obviously, he's 10 now. Like, how old was he when that happened, you know? Right. And just the ways this kid has learned to adapt to just genuinely survive. Yeah. It's like, it starts making my blood boil. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just, <laughs> don't don't be a Vernon, folks. Yeah, seriously. I don't even, that's... In any way, in any shape or form, mm-hmm. like, there's... He's also just a big complainer. Yeah. Like, he complains about everything. That's not... Yeah. Just shut up, Vernon. Like, Vernon, I don't, like, yeah. I had a note about projecting, too. Um... Oh, that was the dream when he screams at Harry, motorcycles don't fly. And he's just losing his mind. Like it's a projection also of his, like, he does not want that to be true. Yeah. So he's like screaming it out into existence. Motorcycles don't (laughs) fly. It's like if I yell it loud enough, Mm -hmm. it's really like, I think his, way of thinking now like obviously before harry it was this way of thinking where they were like if we don't acknowledge it it doesn't exist you know like whether that's wizarding kind and like magical abilities and things like that as a whole and obviously her like petunia's family um sister and then like now that he has harry shoved in his face It's like, well, as long as we can stamp it out of Harry. So it's no longer like if we send it out in the world, it's no longer a thing. Like now we have a specific thing to um, kill this in, so to speak. Like as long as we can kill that possibility in you, then we can kill it as a whole. And it's just another one of those moments where (laughs) like... You want to you you want to be the haggard who comes and scoops Harry up, you know, and and show up and be that that thing that he's dreaming of. Like if somebody could just come along and get me out of this, like anything would be better than this. Yeah. Yeah. The quote that I had about that is um, if there was one thing the Dursleys hated even more than his asking questions, it was his talking about anything acting in a way it shouldn't. No matter if it was in a dream or even a cartoon, they seemed to think he might get dangerous ideas. Like, even just imagination in a cartoon that Harry has nothing to do with. He didn't make the cartoon. He's watching it, in theory, on TV with Dudley, who's also watching it. But if Harry talks about it, they get super pissed because they're projecting. Like, they don't want him to be that person they don't want him to be like lily and and really like he doesn't even know about that like this is a kid saying these things like they seem to think like i'm gonna get danger like what do you think i'm gonna do is kind of like going back to you know those like how you and i were talking about like what what is it in me that you think is so terrible or so bad or so wrong what is the thing that I did that um you think I would shift into something that would be so dangerous that would be so you know like wrong terrible like I you know at the very beginning of this like we talked about like what kind of message does that send Harry like it's like the simultaneous message of you're too much of a thing but you're also not enough of a thing Mm -hmm. it's like (laughs) Most people grow up with a message of you're either too much or you're not enough. And this poor kid is getting it hammered. Seriously. Like you're not normal enough and you're way too 
dangerous, you know, um, it, it ends up like, yes, I know we're talking about a fictional character, but at the same time, <laughs> it's like, how does a kid take on that barrage of both of those statements and yeah. still end up this kid who can think, but I have it better than you right. because I can walk through the whole house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they're, they've taken away, this is going back to chapter one argument of Dumbledore messing up the first time, in my opinion, but like taking away the context for him and not trusting him to be able to explain, you know, like I said, when I'm talking to my kids, sometimes I'm, I'll answer that question, but not today. Like I'm not ready for that. Or like, here's a, here's a three-year-old answer to that question. But you ask me again, when you're 10, you're going to get a completely different answer because you're capable of more now. Yeah. And I just, I think, what if, what if Dumbledore had a relationship with Harry this whole time? Yeah. What if instead of leaving him on the doorstep with a letter, he brought him in, he lovingly introduced him, he talked to him, talked to the Dursleys about him with him. I mean, I know he's one, but still give him a one-year-old introduction. And then maybe it's once a year, maybe it's like freaking Santa Claus and once a year on his birthday or whenever Dumbledore shows up and they have like uncle Dumby that hangs out and like he gets to, <laughs> or on Dudley's birthday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that he doesn't have to hang out gets. with fig and yeah. her cats. He and gets her the rock babysitter of Dumbledore. And as yeah. Harry's growing, you know, maybe they don't want to tell him too much when he's little because they don't trust that a little kid isn't going to reveal like, Hey, all my muggle friends, I'm a wizard. <laughs> I'm the savior of the wizard universe, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, I, I have arguments against that as well. We never did Santa with our kids and we had this huge conflict in my family, my extended family with my kids when they were little. My brother and his family, his two kids are older than my two kids just by a little tiny bit. And his kids believed in Santa. Mine weren't. We didn't, we weren't anti-Santa. We right. have Santa decor. We talked about the story of St. Nicholas. Anyway, here's my argument. Their thing was, your kids are going to ruin it for mine. And my thing was, no, they're not, because I actually talk to my kids about it. And I actually share with them, like, this is a game some families do, some families play, ours doesn't, and that's okay. Here's the true story of St. Nick and why it's a beautiful story and why Santa is great and awesome. Mm -hmm. But the presents that show up under the tree on Christmas morning are all from us. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And... (laughs) here's why you don't tell your friends and you don't talk to your friends about it. Cause we don't want to ruin it for them. It's a, it's a game for their family. It's a, it's a secret. It's a secret for their parents. And we know how we feel about secrets. So, so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's part of why we didn't do it with our kids, but my kids have never told another kid ever that Santa is. Cause isn't you've real. taught them why it's important because we've taught them know? why it's important since they could listen, which yeah. is before they could speak. Yeah. So, my argument is had Harry been raised by Dumbledore in combination with the Dursleys, if Dumbledore had showed up, had answered some of those questions, even the childlike ones had revealed some of Harry's story to him as he was raised, told him why he can't talk about it. Harry is a bright boy. That's short. 
on and on yeah. and on throughout the series. He's he's no Hermione. He's no, <laughs> you know, he's not a Ravenclaw, but he's bright. Yeah. He will listen and he will understand if you give it to him in a way that is appropriate for his age yeah. and what he's, you know, and how different would his life have been? Right. And honestly, like, like to that point, like he is an 11 year old who ends up contending with the dark Lord right? on his own by himself. Like, like he not only like the dark Lord and his little servant, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's going from zero to 60 and in 2.2 when it could have been like a nice, right. slow you know and like am i saying like dumbledore could have taken 11 years to prepare him to take on something like that no absolutely not i'm not saying like from day one let's start preparing him for this fight but at the same time like some knowledge and i would argue too much knowledge is better than no knowledge and abuse right and had he had that relationship and had the dursleys known Dumbledore was going to show up and, you know, maybe even McGonagall, maybe Hagrid, maybe they were going to have a party. Who knows what's going to happen? Maybe they would have been forced to treat him a little tiny bit better. I think Maybe it would have diffused a little bit of their fear Mm -hmm. because a little less secrets would have been being kept. That's true. Like, even if they don't come around and like, we know they don't like, right. Even at the end, Dudley is the only one who comes around. Spoiler alert. In a beautiful way. <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. But, you know, like the more and more exposure, like because like just the threat of Sirius Black yeah. has them actually like back up to Hagrid giving Dudley a tail. Yeah. Like <laughs> here in a few chapters, like even that threat, like, and not that you want it to be the threat of something, but like if it if it works to make them treat a child better then by all means, like it at least gave them moments where Harry gets a bedroom, even if it's got all of Dudley's discarded shit in it. Like those small moments of like, now we recognize somebody is watching and somebody is involved. They immediately improve as small as it is. Like, it goes from living in a cupboard to at least having a bedroom. And even if it comes down to they're like, at this point, they just pretended he wasn't in the house. That's a lot better than being locked in a cupboard. Like, am I saying, is it like things are fixed now? Things are healthier. I'm not saying that at all, but it's at least better for Harry. So yes, like to have like, and honestly, you saying, like, if Dumbledore would have just showed up, like, yeah, fucking show up, bro. Like, yeah. I'm going to go Queen BB on you here. Like, <laughs> quote the Queen, uh, Miss Brene Brown. But, like, talking about, like, the whole idea of, like, courage is just showing up. And I get, you think you're doing this thing for Harry. Like, you think you're giving him this space. But, like, at the end of the day, that kid needed someone. Mm-hmm. And three of you know where he is so i'm gonna need somebody to fucking show up for this kid (laughs) 
Absolutely. I mean, we'd definitely be reading a very different series. Maybe. But, but I mean, could all of the adventures still happen? Like you said, it's not like they could prepare him for what's yeah. going to happen at the end of this book. Right. It's not like they could predict the future exactly. They don't know every single thing that's going to happen. Right. Dumbledore doesn't know it. McGonagall and Hagrid sure as shit yeah. don't know it. Because even he says, like, along the way, he was like, all I have are guesses, but I find my guesses are typically, uh, typically right. Like... So you're right. Like, no, Dumbledore didn't ultimately know. Yeah. Like, but he had some good guesses and could have said, like, let's prepare. For, let's let's prepare like this could be the thing let's that at happens. at least share something about our world with this kid yeah. so that he's not completely in the dark. You know, I mean, I mean, praise Buddha, Jesus <laughs> and Tom Cruise for the fact that. <laughs> He did have the optimism he did have, yeah. but can you imagine if he did know that there was an escape some point? Yeah. If he did know that like on his 11th birthday, he might actually like, get to hope. Like, like, can you imagine how much yeah. even better? I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't have been, maybe it would have been worse because that's all he would have been thinking of and not knowing Yeah. in that case, you know, maybe I'm completely off the mark and it was better for him to not know because then he didn't have that like yeah. expectation but I don't think I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong either. <laughs> I think that's, that's my like, okay, what did I, my, my core values, the comfort, the belonging. That's why it's like, it's not comfortable. He's not being allowed to have a child. Like there's no reason, especially this isn't like a poverty situation. Yeah. They're able to give Dudley everything he wants and more. I mean, this little shit gets... Well, from his parents, 38 yeah. Christmas gifts, or birthday. sorry, birthday gifts. Yeah. And I mean, like, he I, he goes to a private school. Yeah. You know, like, that costs money, you yeah. know, like, the, he is afforded a lot of luxuries. Yeah. And it's just a shame that Harry could be afforded the same luxuries, but instead he just sits and watches yeah. Dudley get these things. And when he can, like, I love that he, he sneaks in his time, like, yeah. you know, that he finds those moments that he waits until they're asleep and goes and eats whatever the hell he wants, you know, yeah. and that he at least finds his workarounds as few and far between and as small as they might be. Yeah. Because I think it's, that's part of what just keeps that little spark in him. Like, I love seeing sassy Harry because... I do. I just think it's his big middle finger to yep. the Dursleys at this point. Yep. Agreed. Stick it to the man, Harry. Stick it to him. <laughs> and Dumbledore, too, at times. So, <laughs> At times. Okay. I, oh, so such a complicated, such a complicated relationship it with is. Albus that I yes. have. Yeah, I, I think I've come around on him a little bit more in ways because I like prior to the last time I read it was just very anti-Dumbledore mm. I was like fuck Dumbledore it was <laughs> kind of the camp that I lived in and really could not understand I, I listened to a Harry Potter podcast called Swish and Flick and one of the hosts like her favorite character is Dumbledore mm. and I was just like I don't like I don't compute like I'm gonna need you to talk me through this kind of thing but um, my, I feel like my favorite character changes with each reread, like, but 
with like a hub of people like Hermione will always probably always and forever be my number one. Hmm. But in the last few, uh, or in the last reread, like I have such a love for Neville. Yes. Neville's my new favorite. Neville's my favorite. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you had a guess who my favorite was, but I just had a visceral reaction to you saying yes. that. And there's um. no way you wouldn't have known that I was in agreement. I absolutely love Neville. I and every reading I get, I don't know. I think I was very cliche. Like the very first time I read it, first of all, I was borrowing books from a friend who was very passionate and very, I was very moldable at that yeah. phase of my life. Yeah. And we didn't have any, anything close to these types of conversations about it. And I read the books in like, 14 minutes. Like, <laughs> like I just and then there's like, me who's like, oh, it took me like 14 me months. Yeah, no. I, I was I like... I own, I'm a slow reader. Yeah, see, and I'm... <laughs> but I remember more, I swear. Yeah, you. I'm sure you do. And that's what's funny is that I can't even remember the first time I read them. This time watching the movies with my family was only the second time watching the movies. And I was like... <gasps> <gasps> it was like the first yeah. time. Because I every time I had watched them before, I was reading them with my friend Michelle. She'd already read them. She found out I never had. She was like, you've got to be kidding me. Read these books. They were all out. This is the other thing. If it's a series of books, I can't read them until they're all out because I do read them fast and I don't remember anything. So if I read it and then have to wait a year for the next one, by the time the next <laughs> one comes out, I'm like, I I have no idea what just happened. I think the only series, there's only two series I've ever read where um, one's not finished. It's a Song of Ice and Fire. So oh, the yeah. Game of Thrones series, mm-hmm. okay. the only other series I ever read that I started it before the next book had come out was the Hunger Games. Okay. Uh, I'm, I might have with those. I don't remember this. I have a, the memory of a firefly. I don't there know. Um, anyway. But the first time I read these books, I did not go deep into them. I read them for entertainment purpose only. And I just loved everybody. And I'm pretty sure I probably fell into the I Love Dumbledore camp because... Because I love the conclusion of like every book and every mm-hmm. piece of wisdom. Um, I pro- uh, I don't and know. Like, I don't know if I love. I've always loved Luna, just because she's wacky and silly, and like I've loved how she just doesn't yeah. give two shits about what people think about her. And people who tend to like put characters in like enneagram types, mm-hmm. uh, Myers Briggs types. She's she's the INFP. Ah, well, there you go. So I probably leaned toward her, her my first time, but the second time through with my family and watching the movies again, it's just, I'm just Neville all the way. I'm Neville yeah. for life. I want like a Neville tattoo. I have no <laughs> idea. I don't know what it's going to be, but I, I love him. I do too. I think he will probably stay my favorite character. That's, yeah, that's where I'm like, I could, you know, cycle with some of the other ones, mm-hmm. ebb and flow a little bit, but I think he's just forever. He's forever mine. I was going <laughs> to ask from our, from your hot seat question from the last time with like the wizarding robes and things like that. And just like how you talk specifically about like you do a crazy hair color. Mm. I was curious, like, do you have a love for Tonks? I do. How could I forget about Tonks? <laughs> yes. Yes. I did, and I have since the beginning, always loved Tonks. And I feel like she was given a complete disservice in the movies. 
Oh, yeah. I have some issues with some of the Snape adoration out there. Same. Just gonna throw that out there. It's like, it's, it's being the anti-hero because like... I'm all I mean, for being the anti-hero. I'm all for liking the bad guy and like whatever, but like the... He's cruel the to children, obsession though. <laughs> 20 years later. Yeah. Of the girl you had a crush on in high school. Yeah. And carrying that out in cruelty to children, even though ultimately you did a good thing. Yeah. By, like, you know. Yeah. It's just, no. It's, I, he's a, he's a I don't think I can ever think of him in terms of a good guy. I like it is that anti-hero thing like he was like not that I would necessarily say he is a bad guy because right. ultimately he did um he he did his thing. Mm-hmm. He he did his part in the defeat of Voldemort. I ain't afraid to say his name. <laughs> <laughs> um but it is like this the part in I hate to address it at this point just because I know we will address it, but it is how awful he was to Neville. Like when he was like, the way we will test your antidote is I'm going to poison your toad Mm -hmm. and we'll see how well your antidote is on whether or not your pet dies. Yep. Like that's just fucking cruel. Yep. And anybody who gets that sense of power by being cruel to children or anyone like who you're ultimately supposed to be responsible for. Mm -hmm. Don't get into more Jesus camp trauma on that, but (laughs) 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 like, fuck you essentially is how I feel about that. Yep. Okay. Hot seat questions. Hot seat. Do you want me to go first this time? Yeah. You go first this time. Okay. So in this chapter, Harry, unknowingly or not, has his first experience speaking to a snake. He might think he's just thinking thoughts, but whatever. Anyway, if you could speak to any animal, any breed of animal, any, what is that? Race? Species? Species, thank you. (laughs) Not race. That's a made-up construct. Uh, Any species of animal, what would it be? Um, I know you'll appreciate this. Because you don't do one thing and I don't do one thing. So I have two answers for this, oh, I think. Okay. So uh, first answer would be like, I would have to say dogs because um, my girlfriend and I foster. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually just got done fostering three puppies. But like how much easier would it be to know what a dog needs if we spoke the same language yes. and like, I think about like my little rat dog, my terrier, um, she's a rescue named Fenway. She is a very fearful dog. And like, I, like when God forbid somebody knocks on the door <laughs> and she loses her mind, like I recognize that's out of fear. Um, like she, like, I can speak to her as soothingly as I can. You should see the dog lose her mind when there's a dog on the TV. Like, I have never seen an animal who can't, like, reasonably understand, like, that is not actually here in the room with me. Like, and so it'd be like, Finway, 
you're okay. It's okay. It's not here. So as <laughs> as soothing as I'm trying to be to this poor little idiot dog that I love with all of my heart and who will end up being a tattoo on my body, um, she doesn't get it. Like, it doesn't work to yell at her because she just thinks I'm barking with her. And it's not like she understands that I'm trying to, like, be punitive in some way. Right. So that, and then the other answer would actually be the animal that I see most often in the wild and the animal I dream of most is a snake. <gasps> I am cursed in the foothills every almost every single time. I I would like legitimately say probably 85% of the time I go and hike in the foothills I come across a snake. Oh my gosh. And I don't respond very well. Oh, <laughs> if you could see my face right now, I the would way, lose my mind. The way your face looks is the way I feel in those moments. It's like the, like, I don't know what to do with myself. Um, so I would like to be able to speak to snakes so that I could be like, hey, you just scoot on along, like, and we're fine. Like, I will do nothing to you. You can do nothing to me. And we'll each go on our merry way. I'm not a threat. Not a threat. Like, I am so scared of you. <laughs> so, you scoot, 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 scoot. Oh. And I will scoot, 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 scoot. Mm -hmm. so, you go that way, I'll go this way. Yeah. And then, like, I, I really do. I don't dream often. But when I do, well, I don't remember my dreams often, at least. But I dream of snakes so much. A true Slytherin. I really am a true Slytherin. Like, I hate to say it. Like I want my, I want my spirit animal to be a fox because Fenway reminds me of a fox, but there's no way it's not a snake. Your Patronus, you mean? We well, can't that say, we can't say spirit animal anymore. That's cultural appropriation. <laughs> oh, that's true. I'm so sorry. So my my Patronus, yes, like uh. But like in terms of like a true animal guide, like within your dreams and mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. There's no way it isn't a snake. Sad to say. That's crazy. It's creepy. My most recurring dream is a plane crashing in my backyard that I also had when I was like eight and has kept with me my entire life. So. Kind of an appropriate theme, though, because Harry has his recurring dream, how it says with the motorcycle dream. Oh, he's yeah. pretty sure he's had it before. Yeah. That was true. almost my hot seat mm. question is if you had a recurring dream. Oh, yeah. Mine's a but plane crash. But it's not. Okay. I went with something else. Okay. Okay. Oh, I need to answer, answer my to own. So uh, since you had two, I'm going to answer with oh, two yeah. also because my... We make the rules. We make the rules. <laughs> um, the one I was going to answer with if I had just one is the animal that like everyone associates with me. It's the logo for my photography company. I have it tattooed on my body and it's the octopus. Um, I love them for... A thousand different reasons. You should list some of those reasons, though. Like, I want to know. Like, <laughs> we've not like, talked about. This. We've not really talked about mm -hmm. it in depth. Have you only... seen my tattoo? Yes, like, it's, I it's love a... it so much. That is one of the most badass tattoos I've ever seen. It's a blue ringed octopus, which in real life you could hold in the palm of your hand. They're actually very tiny, but super poisonous, very deadly. And it's holding a Canon camera, like a DSLR, like camera that I shoot with. Um, which is not realistic because it would crush this octopus in real life, the size okay. of this camera. But it's art. It's art. My brother actually chose the 
the breed of octopus because I was having lunch with him. I was eating sushi with my brother right before getting a tattoo of an octopus, which I would never eat. It's kind of fucked up, dude. Right? <laughs> I, it's twisted. Uh, but we were like right next door to the tattoo shop and he's like, what kind of octopus are you getting? And I was like, oh shit, I didn't even think about that. I just, an octopus. And he's like, we should do a blue ring one because they're poisonous as fuck. <laughs> I was like, okay. Like, I'm in. In. He's like, yeah, you're pretty deadly. That's that's cool. Anyway. <laughs> um, so I love them because they are absolutely brilliant. They're very, 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 very smart animals. In captivity, they're known to play tricks on people. They're funny. They, <laughs> I like, love them already. <laughs> yeah. When you hear, I have a book if you'd like to read it. It's called I would. The Soul of the Octopus. I, I want to say I saw this on your bookshelf. Yeah, you did. When we were out there. Yep. In there, I guess. It is phenomenal. Um, I've heard there's a show too, but I haven't watched it yet called My My Octopus Teacher. Oh, sorry. It's so good. <laughs> everybody keeps telling it, me to watch. It is really good. I'm, I know. It's like there's. I am not one of those people. Like I've never been a. Oh, have you read Harry Potter? No, I haven't. Like, oh, what's wrong with you? Right. I'm just like, no, like, I think if you naturally, I, I will always make a book recommendation if you want one. Yeah. But, like, I think it's so much better if you naturally gravitate to the thing. Yes. That being said, it's phenomenal. I do naturally gravitate to it, and I, I do want to watch it. I cried, hands down, yeah. because it's the circle of yes. life, but whatever. Yes. It's good. Well, so that book, I I already loved them. And then I read that book and it is, it's just there, they play, yeah. When they're in captivity, they're known to play tricks. They'll like play hide and seek. They, because of their biology, they can get out of a hole that's like two inches. Yeah. And so even though these huge giant, like Pacific ocean, like giant octopus, they can get out. So if there's any kind of, way to get out they will yeah and they can survive outside of water for a certain amount of time so when they're in captivity like in an aquarium situation if they can get out they will there's stories of them like getting out they'll memorize the routine of the security guards so that they can get out get away do what they want to do go eat fish from a different (laughs) aquarium that they're not supposed to be in and then wait the right amount of time until the security guard has gone past again and then go back and be in their cage the next morning. I think they might be Slytherins. I mean, in theory, like, but they, I mean, yeah. I man, I kind of wish that was the, like... The animal for <laughs> yeah. Slytherin? I know. But then I'd be sad because I'm yeah. not a Slytherin anymore. Um, I'm yeah, sorry. they're super smart. I'm sorry. They're funny. They're um, tactile. Like, if you, they, they, they recognize you by your touch like your scent and everything on your skin so they you can like grow a relationship with them um i love them because a lot of people think they're creepy as fuck but i love them Mm -hmm. so i relate because i want people to think i'm creepy but i'm not i'm actually really lovable (laughs) you really are Um, (laughs) not once have you ever come off as creepy i know i have like a goth heart and like a creepy like yeah but i have a love for it but it doesn't necessarily manifest yeah yeah um what else do i love about them everything oh and i've always like when i first started my obsession it was just like i feel like an octopus like i've got eight different things going in eight different directions all the time as a mom as a business owner as a wife as a friend as a a book reader book reader as a now podcaster like all these different i've always got like a 
ton of things yeah. going on. But I am capable of doing it. So I feel like I relate. So that's the one. I just want to be able to chat with them because they seem like fun. But I don't have a lot of interaction with octopuses in my life. <laughs> so it wouldn't be a very practical one. And since I have two cats that live in my home, mm. I would like to be able to speak to them. Yeah. I also do speak to them all the time, but they don't speak English. So do you make cat noises at all? Um, no. My I, daughter tries to, and I laugh at her. Like, my cat will, um, like, I can go, like, Hotch, because she's named after Aaron Hotchner on Criminal Minds. Mm. Um, but she always, like, answers back, like, she, like, gives me the what's up nod, and she goes, Aww. And so I try to always make that noise back at her, but I don't necessarily know what she's saying, so hopefully I'm not offending her. Right. Because she could be like, shut up. And you're going, shut up. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, yeah. Every time Mark tries to talk to them and Ruby tries to talk to them and I say, they don't speak English. <laughs> but like, Mark will try to give them instructions. <laughs> and I'm like, first of all, they're cats. I was like, yeah, like even if they're they understood they're do cats. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> holding up little middle fingers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Second of all, they don't speak English. Uh. Yeah, so that would be my practical one, just because I'd love to have conversations or to be able to say, like, serious, quit eating. It's like, hey, shithead. <laughs> Why are you so fat? God, go on a diet. <laughs> Sorry, I'm fat shaming my cat. Like, fat shaming? <laughs> okay, no. I'll change it. Um, here's what I want to say. <laughs> Serious, why are you s freaking out about the leaves blowing on the patio? They're just leaves. They're not little beings that you need to destroy. <laughs> little birds. Yeah, he thinks they're like mice or I don't know what Does they are. Like, but when do that leaves, little, I can't make that no. noise. If I could make that noise, that would I would, but I would just embarrass myself right now. No, Sirius to. just sits and stares and mm -hmm. like does the like every movement moves his head back and forth. Lucky stands at the back patio door, the glass door, and like paws at it mm -hmm. and tries to get outside but they're not allowed outside because i don't want them to get hit by cars because you're a good cat mom thank you and a good human mom oh thanks you're welcome <laughs> okay i was so worried you were going to take my question because you alluded to like you you spoke about when uh it talks about how harry's favorite thing about himself is his scar oh so I am going to let you answer this however you'd like, whether a physical feature, oh, you can do both if you'd like, physical feature or like a quality, what is your favorite thing about you? Okay. Okay. So how I, I've got can, this. You can answer it as a physical feature, a quality or both. Okay. I also alluded to this earlier and I'm, it's. I'm going to say that my favorite thing about myself is my storytelling. You are a great storyteller. I, I really enjoy it. I enjoy telling stories. I enjoy making people laugh. I've often thought it would be incredibly fun to be a stand-up comedian, but I don't have the like ability to like, ahead of time think of things like yeah like to do the callbacks yeah like That's i just like to tell thing. stories yeah. and often when i tell them i tell them in a funny way mm -hmm. but i love making people laugh you and are I very love, funny i love being able to yeah either and i talk a lot so 
Which is great for a podcast. I mean, yes. <laughs> Unless you're trying to keep it to a certain amount of time. Eh. And then it's a little bit of problematic. <laughs> eh. Who cares? <laughs> if the conversation is good, who cares? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. going to go with storytelling. I if like I was going to be superficial and physical at this exact moment in time, I would say my hair. Because I'm really loving embracing my curly hair. Your hair is great. And I'm learning how to take care it's of it. It's actually funny. I've only known you with your curly hair oh, that's like true. my like my first introduction to you over zoom of over course, zoom yep um was that's exactly as i remember you great it wasn't this nice because i didn't curly have this hair. blow dryer or this and technique so it wasn't this good but over zoom you can't tell <laughs> <laughs> okay so for myself i i would say my favorite thing about me is my is that I really am willing to do hard things. Like uh Andrea, my bestie, like her thing, her motto lately has been do the damn work. And it's really more like the damn work of all the self-reflection and like getting through your shit. And I appreciate the fact that I am actually willing to do the damn work. Like, as hard as it is and as, like, vulnerable it is in those moments, like, I wouldn't say vulner like vulnerability is a core value, but vulnerability is really important to me um, to do. If I picked my top two core values, they are authenticity and courage. Mm-hmm. And um, hiding behind other people is definitely not being true to like your real and true self. And it takes a ton of courage to put yourself out there. Courage is hard for me because I most often feel like I'm not courageous. And then it takes my friends telling me like, actually, you did that. And that's incredibly courageous. So my willingness to do the damn work. And if we go shallow with uh, physical features, it'd be my triceps. I have good triceps, naturally good, naturally good triceps. Ooh, okay. <laughs> and I like to work out. So that's like one of the things that like, if I'm thinking like, Ugh, like I'm not accomplishing anything, then you just give yourself a little tricep flex. <laughs> good to go. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, there we go. I love it. Hot seat questions. Hot seat. I like that. We'll probably get to where we're like, okay, I'm going to have three answers for this. I'm waiting for the day that we do both have the same question. I I really was like, I wonder if we're going to, if she asks that question, I'm going to have to be like, okay, plan B. <laughs> I am. No. We'll know like we've reached some like level of pinnacle. connection. Yeah. Yeah. Pinnacle of connection when one of us has a question and we're like, that, that is was what I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to happen. Okay. All right. Social media. Once again, working folk podcast for uh, Karen's other project. Her I first mean, project. I mean, if you have time, it's fine. Find the time, people. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, uh, you said Facebook, Instagram, and and just the internet we just have a website internet. you can contact us on there you can tell us what you want to who you want us to interview yeah if you want us to interview you know anybody in particular on our podcast about working folk or any topics you want us to talk about you can contact us on there you can see book recommendations you can see cute little cartoon faces not 
our actual faces because I mean, it's not like any of us is a photographer that could take photos <laughs> and put our real faces on there, but you know, and then it's whether or not you want your real face out there. I mean, my face, I like it. I put it's it a good out face. there a lot. <laughs> it's a good face. If you stalk me and find my personal Instagram, you will see plenty of pictures of my face. But don't do that. That's creepy. Don't be a yeah. stalker. Says the girl who likes the creepy aspect of her personality. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's true. And then you can catch Filtered Through Fiction also on the web. Filteredthroughfiction.com. It's T-H-R-U. Won't be adding that very, very much longer <laughs> in hopes that you just listen sequentially. And then Instagram at Filtered Through Fiction. Hell yeah. All right. We did it again. Yeah. Yeah. Us. All right. Thanks for listening and bye. Bye.